Now Jonah has just been spewed from the fish. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go out into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. And when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. No human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. So, so far we've looked into the deeper meanings of Jonah's running away. But as we come into the text, and today I plan to just take it as it is, that's all in the background. You see, today's text starts off with a word of mercy to Jonah. Then the Lord came to Jonah in the second time, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh. Jonah had completely blown it. He had been afraid or maybe filled with hate. I'm going to favor afraid today. But he'd gone exactly the opposite way that God wanted him to go. He joined the, he'd gotten on the ship and did every single thing wrong. And this was after God had called him the first time and put it on his heart. Then, as we learned last week, Jonah in the belly of the whale, even in that terrible part, signified God's forgiveness and unity with him. But the real thing is, is that day when that fish spewed him up on dry land, that didn't change any of the fact that Jonah had disobeyed the Lord. So God, in calling Jonah a second time, gives a great mercy to Jonah, but also a lesson to us that that call, when you finally stop going the other way, is just as valid upon our lives as it was the first time. And God, in his mercy, though Jonah does not deserve it in any way, shape, or form, gives Jonah the second call. Now, Jonah has to walk then from the seashore to Nineveh. That would have been a very long journey. And some people may think that 
Verse 3, that Jonah came to the city of Nineveh and it was three days walk across, that that must have been at some sort of meandering pace. But at this time, Nineveh was the largest city in the world, and if the Greeks are to be believed, 4,000 hectares. The excavated sites alone cover seven square miles, and the whole city of Mansul that you might have seen on the news in Iraq is built upon the ruins of the great city of Nineveh. So Jonah, who had been afraid, who probably had some nagging guilt in his heart, comes to this great and mighty city to be the crazy guy with the street sign on him. Because it's easy to, to sympathize with Jonah. The first time he gets called and said, oh, go to this great and mighty city and tell them they will be destroyed. Now, how many of us, show of hands, if you were told go to New York and put a sign on that the end is near 40 days if you don't repent, would be eager to go do it? <laughs> but see, God proves faithful because Jonah begins going into the city and this prophet who didn't want to do it, who, who tried everything to get out of it, he starts to preach. And he starts to preach a message that the prophets knew didn't sell in Israel. How many people in the Old Testament sit there and go, repent or God's going to get angry. Repent or you will face judgment. And the people of Israel who supposedly believe in God don't ever do anything about it. So here is a Hebrew and an imperial capital of the country that would eventually wipe out the northern half of Israel preaching, repent for the end is near. Repent for the end is near. You've got 40 days, Nineveh. And if you don't turn from your wicked ways, God's going to destroy you. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. And that we have two faucets. The first one is Nineveh and the people of Nineveh were willing to say God was right when he called them an immoral people. That is why Jesus, when he stands over Jerusalem looking and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, many times I would take you under my wing. But the people in Nineveh will stand up on the day of judgment and witness against you. How many nations are willing ever, even at the pain of death and war, for stupid reasons to say that they are in the wrong? So the first miracle of Jonah's preaching is he gets the imperial capital of who were basically the first bad guys of imperial rank in history to confess, you know, maybe being a giant evil empire, we got our hands dirty. Jonah, who had been so scared of walking in and calling a spade a spade, calls the spade a spade and it says, you know what? You're right. We can't shuffle this deck. And even more than this, the people don't just believe God, they act upon it. Oh, doesn't that set this wicked nation apart from so many good nations? These people who had no idea of what human life was worth, who had no sense of that image of God, who have faced it all the time in their daily actions and everything, when called out, bother to make a change. 
because they just see the one dude on the street corner, the end is near. Maybe fix your lives. So it would be one thing if Jonah was walking through the street and he was preaching out the message, repent, repent, for the end is near. But we find that the news reaches the very king himself, the guy pulling the strings. And you know what his response is? His response is nothing like you see in any of our politics on either of the sides. It's not, I'm always right, and it's not, oh no, well, this guy's the bad one over here. His response is to call every single person in every single party to repentance. We have messed up, and he makes it so extreme. He knows that the animals are dumb, but he wants to show the people that we are going to make such a concrete change that the king of Nineveh makes it so not even the animals can eat. He wants to show true and valid repentance. Because the king, we see a nascent faith in this. Who knows? Verse 9, God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger. Even in, did Jonah mention anything about forgiveness here? He had preached nothing but the wrath of God. But that conviction that the Holy Spirit was working through Jonah, we see in this king is convincing him of the merciful nature of our God. But lastly, 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity, and he did not do it. God, the ultimate seer of all the truth, Nineveh's repentance was genuine. Again, setting them apart from so much of the Old Testament, where in Isaiah, these people worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Far is this from the words in the Old Testament, sacrifices and burnt offerings I don't delight in. What I delight in is a pure heart. These pagan Ninevites in the most evil land repent and do so in a way that glorifies God. And Jonah, what had to be going through the mind of Fishboy? He had had the call upon his life, and the first thing he had said to himself is, God, no, you are not going to do this. He'd done everything he did to fight it, to go the other way. Well, how many of us, when called to preach similar things, Lord, that isn't going to happen. There's going to be no change against this. I don't know what to say. Well, did we not read today in our New Testament? Don't worry about what you will say in that day. The Holy Spirit will provide it. And we lament so many times about the fates of nations and the morality of kings. But who speaks up? Are we not afraid that we must put on a sign? Maybe be a little bit crazy. Surely they'll judge us if we say anything. So we find ourselves going the other way. Christian missionaries join boats to go to Tarshish when they really probably should just be going to Manchester. We have all faced, regardless of how we break this down, times where the calling of God has been upon our lives to say a message, and it might have been a message of reconciliation. Jonah's an Old Testament prophet. There is a difference in the New Testament. We preach Christ and him crucified and the good news. But how many times have we fallen short of just that calling? Well, my friends, it is renewed. God calls us each time we wake up. 
God calls a second time, saying, go, share, preach, and do. Because the amazing thing is, Jonah gets sent to a symbol of wickedness for the Old Testament. Some people that he absolutely hated, and they repent. We can never write off anybody. And in fact, the only folks who don't respond when the Savior comes, the only folks who stay hard against their calling, are that holy people to whom the Son came. This is a reflection, but also, as Christ said to my namesake, it's the pricks. <laughs> it's the spurs and the horse. So let us go forward gallantly.